Uh, so this morning, my name is Trevor Miller, one of the pastors here at Mount Horeb, and I do consider it a great honor to be able to share with you this morning and to come on the heels of a great holiday like Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Did everybody enjoy time with friends and family? How was your food? Anybody fill up their plate too much? And you're like, what have I done? Welcome to the club. How about desserts? Any pumpkin pie people in the room? Weirdos. Apple pie? Cherry pie? And the uh, p- pecan pie? Pecan pie? Any other pies? Good. Well, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful time. And like I said, I love the chance to be able to come on a Sunday after Thanksgiving to be able to share a little bit on this kind of idea of having gratitude in our lives and having Thanksgiving within our lives. Um, I had an awesome uh, Thanksgiving with my family. We had a really good time both Thanksgiving Day and Thanksgiving the day after. We ate way too much food both days. Uh, But with my Miller family, spending time with them on Thanksgiving Day, we have like this kind of tradition that we do that I I really love. We have a plastic pumpkin that gets passed around the table each year at Thanksgiving, and we take a permanent marker and we write on the plastic pumpkin things that we're thankful for. And it's not a new pumpkin each year, it's the same pumpkin year after year. So you can look back on the things you wrote last year, the year before, and so forth, and remember the things that you were thankful for those Thanksgiving years as well. My, My sister is the keeper of the sacred pumpkin. And it's brought out every Thanksgiving for the family to share and talk about. And so this year we did the same thing. Everybody writes on it. Everybody talks about it. We shared about it. And I was a little surprised at how much just writing on a pumpkin and sharing out loud the things that I was grateful for and thankful for actually impacted me. I think the past couple months have been a a little bit heavy for me. And I'm probably not the only one in the room that feels like life can be heavy and, and difficult sometimes. I feel like it has kind of stolen a spark from me a bit. It's weighed me down a bit. And so somehow passing a plastic pumpkin, looking back on years past and writing something I'm thankful for for today was actually a bit therapeutic. Um, It was helpful for me to be able to say these things out loud. I went home that night a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter, a little bit more hopeful. And that's what this Thanksgiving season can be for us. It can be a bit of a reset, a chance to say what we're thankful for and show some gratitude. As Pastor Michael Turner shared with us this week, I mean, all of us need a bit of a gratitude adjustment from time to time, and I'm certainly one. We need a gratitude adjustment. And maybe it's that simple, just slowing down to think about the things that we're thankful for. It's easy to spend so much of our time thinking about the things that we don't have, right? Like the house that we wish we had, or the car we wish we had, the bank account we wish we had, the job we wish we had, the happy family that we wish we had. There's all kinds of things that we might be wishing that we had. And Thanksgiving is a chance to slow down and recognize that in the midst of the difficulty of life, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the struggle, that there is so much still to be thankful for. I've found that in my life, there are really kind of two ways to approach life, either with a grumble or with gratitude. And it's true for all of us. And we have a choice in this on how we'll do this. The Bible speaks to this often. And um, one of the ways that it speaks to it is basically that this thanksgiving, this gratitude, this attitude of thanks should be a part of the cadence and the rhythm of our life. We don't have to just do this once a year on Thanksgiving and then move on to the next thing. We can have gratitude in our lives each and every day. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes to the early church in Colossae concerning this idea, saying this should be a part of your life as a rhythm for who you are. He writes to his listeners and his readers, and he's really writing to them in chapter two about what it looks like to live the full life of Christ and giving them practical instruction to do so. 
all based around the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So in chapter two of Colossians, here's what Paul says to his listeners in chapter two, verse six and seven. He says, and now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Verse seven, then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with what? Thankfulness. You will overflow with thankfulness. So Paul says, you wanna live this full life of Christ, it looks like these three things. Number one, build your life on Jesus. Let the roots of your life grow deep down into him as your foundation because anything else in life that becomes our foundation is shifting sand in the end. It's not trustworthy, it's not faithful, but Jesus is. So grow your roots deep. Then he says, all the things that you've been taught from the time that you were young, continue to learn more and more and more about who Jesus is. Continue both those things. But lastly, Paul says something that I think is incredibly important and often overlooked. Paul says, overflow with thankfulness. Overflow with thankfulness. Now this Greek word for the word overflow literally can be translated as exceed the ordinary or go above and beyond. So Paul is telling them, hey, be thankful, but not just thankful, be abundantly thankful, running over with gratitude. It makes me think of the two kinds of people that oftentimes go to Thanksgiving meals, because there's two of them. The first one is this person. They get the plate and they walk up to all the items and they choose just a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and it doesn't touch each other on the plate. You know, those kinds of people, stay away from them. <laughs> Nothing can touch. A little bit of that, a little roll, a little ham, a little broccoli casserole. I mean, and make sure it's not, and you gotta save room for dessert at the end. That's one kind of person at Thanksgiving. And there's another kind of person at Thanksgiving. It's the me kind of person at Thanksgiving who comes with the plate and worries nothing about things touching. In fact, you pile it as high as you can on the plate until it's falling off of the plate. That's the way you do it. And I don't worry about saving room for dessert because plate one is just the first of three before I even get to dessert. It's not even in my mind yet. And those are two kinds of people that come to Thanksgiving. Paul says, be the second guy when it comes to gratitude. Be overflowing with gratitude. I mean, so abundant that it flows out of you. It's an overflow of your life because of the gratitude that you have in your life. Paul says, this is how you should live. But why? Like why of all the things Paul could instruct his readers to do, all the many things to live out this life in Jesus Christ, why should gratitude be a part of it? And I think it's because Paul knows that our lives, their lives are like roller coasters. And some days everything's perfectly aligned. And some days we are fulfilled and we have everything we need and, and our experience and expertise has led to success. Sometimes that's what life is like, but other times life is not like that. Sometimes life is falling apart and we experience loss and struggle and hurt and pain. And I think Paul is tapping into the incredible power that is available to us when we take time to be grateful in order to weather the storm that life oftentimes brings. Like it rewires our brains to not see the cup as half empty, but instead to see it as what? Half full. Paul knows this. So Paul says, yes, grow deep roots into Christ. Yes, continue to learn about who Jesus is, but don't forget to overflow with thankfulness. Overflow with gratitude. 
What Paul is speaking to specifically in terms in Colossians chapter two is this idea of the amazing work of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, for Paul, this truth has changed everything for the believer. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you've made the decision to place your life into his hands. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, his life and death, it changes everything and it's something to be thankful for. That's what Paul is writing from. He's writing from the fact that this truth has a way of impacting all of our life and it causes us to overflow with gratitude. So this morning, maybe this is a good place to start. Maybe we all need to take a bit of advice from Pastor Michael Turner and have a gratitude adjustment. To take some time to be thankful for what is around us, for what God has done in our life, what God is doing in our life, and what God will do in the future in our life. I wanna talk about each of those really quick. So the first one, we need to be grateful for what God has done in our life, in the past, what God has done. Because if we're really honest, we are a what have you done for me lately kind of people. All right, God, I realize you've done something in the past, but what about now? Like, what about right now? And we so are so quick to forget about God's faithfulness in the past. We have memories like a goldfish when it comes to God's blessings. We forget so quickly. And this isn't a new struggle. I mean, don't feel bad about this necessarily. This is kind of common to the human being. In fact, in the Old Testament, when you read about the interesting relationship between the Israelite people and God, in the Old Testament in particular, there's a main struggle that they have, and the Bible seems to suggest their main struggle is forgetting to remember God's faithfulness. So you have this story in the book of Exodus where God releases the Israelite people out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. He splits the waters of the Red Sea. He allows them to walk over on dry land. He protects them and provides for them all the way. And in only a few chapters, guess what the Israelites are doing? Grumbling and complaining and wanting to go back to Egypt once again. What? How quickly we are to forget about what God has done within our lives. What if we could be grateful for what God has done in the past? So maybe this morning, if we were to be able to suspend for just a moment the unmet desires that we have currently, if we could suspend for just a moment the prayers that are yet to be answered, could we honestly answer the question, what has God done within our life that could only be attributed to him? And could we give him thanks for that? So as a pastor, um, I'm just being honest, there are days where it's frustrating. As a pastor, there are days where it's very discouraging. And, and sometimes I find myself thinking maybe the grass is greener on the other side. You know, and then when I have this feeling, there's always this sense that comes back to me still to think about after 20 years of serving in this church, being a part of Mount Horeb, there is so much to be thankful for. After 20 years of serving this church, I have seen countless students and adults commit their lives to Jesus Christ. I've had a chance to go to the Dominican Republic, Alaska, Liberia, Spain as an extension of this church family to serve and to, to witness for Christ. I've worked with some of those most amazing people on earth on this staff and continue to work with some of the most amazing people on this staff. I've had the opportunity to learn from Jeff Kersey and for him to encourage me and pour into me over the years. I've had the chance to preach God's words on this stage and in the sanctuary. I've seen marriages that were once dead come back to life. I've seen children who were lost be found. I've seen chains broken, addictions defeated. This place has humbled me. This place has molded me. This place has blessed me. This place has loved me and it has challenged me. I mean, this is what God has done in my life. I don't wanna ever, 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 ever forget that. So what's he done in yours? 
What has God done in your life that we are so too often quick to forget? I mean, can you name it? Could you speak it out loud? Could you write it on a plastic pumpkin? God, this is what you've done in my life. If you could sift through the cynicism from time to time, maybe even the entitlement in our lives from time to time, would you be grateful for what God has done? What prayers has he answered in your life? What ways has he provided for you? What evil has he thwarted? What tragedies has he led you through? What countless ways has he intervened into your life that you're not even aware of? And could you say, God, thank you for doing that? Let the fact that God has been faithful in your past, even this morning, lift your spirits to know that he's working in this moment too and in the moments to come. What has God done? Let's be grateful. Secondly, not just for what God's done in the past, but can we be grateful this morning for what God is doing currently in our lives? What God is doing right now? This is admittedly, I think, one of the toughest pieces of having this kind of gratitude in our life. Because we live in such a high-speed and busy world that there's so much, the tyranny of the urgent, that always steals away our attention from the beautiful, the miraculous, and the good in the moment right now. We also live in a society that is marked by instant gratification, and so we're always looking for the next thing. What's around the corner? What, what is next? What else could I possibly have to make me happy? And I'll be honest with you, this form of gratitude is difficult for me. Because I'm the kind of person that is always thinking about the future, like the possibilities and the opportunities. And, and because of that, I get stolen away oftentimes from my current reality, like what's happening right now. Last week, my wife and I had a chance to go on a little dinner date, and my parents agreed to keep all the kids, all three of them, which is something to be grateful for in the first place. And so, yeah, claps for the parents. Thank you. My mother-in-law, too. They're the best. Anyways, they're in the room, so I'm, I'm scoring points right now. Um, so... We had a chance to go to dinner together, and we went to dinner together. We had a, a gift card someone had given us. It was so gracious, and so we sat down, and we ordered our food, and, and we just, we talked to each other. We laughed. We enjoyed each other, and I had this moment sitting at this table, looking at my wife across the table, looking at Jenna, and just thinking, like, how did I get this lucky? To which everyone said amen. How did I get this lucky? But I mean it. I had this moment where I was able to look at her and just, and just see her for who she is and just be thankful that she said yes to me, that we're doing this life together. Like, this is a gift. Don't miss it. Yesterday, I had the chance to run my very first 5K, which, by the way, I got first in my age group, um, which was awesome until last night my wife informed me I'm the only one in my age group in the race yesterday. So I got first and last, so... There's something to be grateful for. But I ran my first 5K, and my, my youngest son wanted to run the 5K with me, and so we ran it together. Owen came with me, and it was so good. We, we ran about halfway. We didn't stop, and we, we walked for a while, and we talked the whole way about stuff, and we just enjoyed all of it. It was so good. We crossed the finish line. He'll tell you right now he finished one second ahead of me. We crossed the finish line. I just looked at him. I'm like, I am so proud of you. This was so awesome. He's like, Dad, I want to do more. Let's find more 5Ks to do. I'm like, well, let's don't rush this thing, okay? Let's like ease into it a little bit. But it was this moment, and if we're not careful, like it's gone. 
my oldest son this fall decided he wanted to do a Bible study. And so there's like these 12 middle school football players from Lakeside that get together every Wednesday morning at 6.30 and we're studying the Bible. We're eating good food, we're studying the Bible. There's two awesome dads that come and sit there and spend time and share. It is beautiful. And sometimes I have to pinch myself that I'm sitting next to my middle school son reading the Bible and eating food and talking with his friends. It is so good. Don't miss it. My daughter loves to go to the dump with me. <laughs> so I'll be like, Murray, it's time to go to the dump. She's like, let me get my shoes. And she'll, she'll go get them and we go. And we go to the dump together and we sing songs and we laugh. And sometimes after we go get ice cream, which is actually, now that I think about it, probably the reason she likes to go to the dump with me. But I'll take any reason to get her there with me. Don't miss it. These are the kinds of things in our life that God is doing right now. And we are so quick to move to the next thing that if we're not careful, we'll miss the gifts of God in our everyday life. It'll get mixed up in the mundane. We won't see it as miraculous, though it is. There are some men in the room that I need you to hear me today that the person that you've committed to for your life is a gift to you. Treat them as such. See it as such. There are some moms here in the room this morning. You just need to hear that your messy house and your crazy kids, it is a gift. Quit comparing it to Facebook and everybody else who's taking fake pictures anyway. Like what you have is good. Enjoy it. It's a gift. For you students and kids in the room, your parents, your good-willed parents, they are a gift to you. Maybe hard to see sometimes, but they're a gift to you. And their love and their discipline is shaping and molding you for the future. It's good. We have to be careful not to move on too quickly and take all of these things for granted. These are God's tangible reminders of his grace within our life so that we might be reminded that he is indeed Emmanuel, God with us right now in this moment, not just in the past. Lastly, I think God will want us to be grateful for what he will do in our lives in the future what he will do in our lives. You know, the Bible tells us that the God who began a good work in us is faithful to continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. This means if you have breath in your lungs today, God is at work. No matter what your circumstance looks like, no matter how dire it might be, there is something called hope when we trust in God because he is not limited in any way. He can do anything. And so this morning, we can be thankful for the hope that we have and a God who loves us and who is always working for our good and for his glory is something to be thankful for. I read this story this week about a Scottish minister named Alexander White. He was known for his uplifting prayers in the church pulpit. He was always found to be someone who was grateful and thankful and was quick to say it every single Sunday morning. But one Sunday morning, the weather was so gloomy that one church member thought to himself, certainly the preacher could have nothing good to say about the Lord on a wretched day like this. He came into worship, and to his surprise, Alexander White began the morning service by praying, we thank thee, O God, that it will not always be like this. That's gratitude for the future. That whatever we're going through right now, we can thank God that it won't always be like this. The difficulty that we're in right now, the, the hard place, the loss, the struggle, it won't always be like this. God's still working. And so because of that, we give him thanks. One of my favorite students to come through this youth ministry at this church had a mom who was so awesome. She would pray for him often. I loved her prayers. She would always pray, God, I thank you in advance for the good that you will bring into his life. I thank you in advance for the faithfulness that you will put on display within his life. That's a good mom right there. 
praying for the future and believing and trusting in God. I am thankful for a God that I serve who is not limited in any way, who can do anything. And so I entrust my future into his hands and I give him thanks, believing that the best is yet to come, either on this side of eternity or on the other. God can do it all. So we place our lives in God's capable hands then we can thank him just like Alexander White does. Thank you, God, that things will not always be this way. That we believe the best is yet to come. So Paul tells us in Colossians, overflow with thankfulness. Let it fall off your plate with thankfulness. And remember to thank God for what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do. But the Bible expounds upon this in other places. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, he gives us instruction on when we should be thankful. Here's what he says in 518. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in how many circumstances? All of them. I wish it was more specific. Like give thanks when things are good. Be thanks, give thanks when the Gamecocks win. Give thanks in all of these things, but maybe not the others. That's not what Paul says. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, in every single situation. Well, clearly, God, you don't know the stuff that I've gone through. I have nothing to be thankful for. And God would say, no, you have plenty to be thankful for, even in the midst of the struggle and the difficulty and the pain. Many of us wonder about God's will for us. I mean, God, what do you want me to do with my life? This verse leaves, does not leave it to question, verse 18. This is God's will for you, that you would be grateful. We know this. God wants us to do that. You don't have to question that or pray about that. Be thankful. Have gratitude in your life. It is God's will for us. We ought to be thankful in the good times and the bad, in the plentiful and in the scarce, in the happy times and in the sorrowful times. In order for God to give us this instruction, this means that gratitude must be a choice, not just a feeling. It doesn't just happen to us. It's something that we choose to have within our life, this grateful attitude, this place of gratitude. There's a difference between feeling gratitude and practicing gratitude. There's a difference in feeling gratitude and practicing gratitude. Feeling gratitude is not a prerequisite for actually being grateful. You, you don't have to feel it to actually practice it. In fact, I would argue practicing it causes us oftentimes to actually feel it, being grateful. We can practice gratitude by actively seeking out reasons to be thankful by voicing it out loud, by living our lives in such a way that it is a blessing to others to be grateful. It is a practice. It can be improved and it can be perfected. It's something we can work on. There have been people who I've known very well in my life that in their world, they did not have much that the world would say is something to be thankful for. And yet when you speak to them and talk to them, they are quick to voice, here's what I'm thankful for today. Here's what I'm so grateful for today. Here's what's good in my life today. I remember back in the day, many years ago, I used to be an athlete, and this is a joke. When I was an athlete back in the day, before the 5K yesterday, um, I used to play football, and I remember there were so many days where we would have practice, and in my head, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to put on the pads. I don't want to go out in the summer and have two days. I don't want to run. I don't want to get tackled. I don't want to do this stuff. Like, practice just seemed like such a, such a bore and such an inconvenience. It was something I didn't want to do. But if you didn't practice, you would never improve. There'd be no skill. You'd have nothing to offer later on. 
I mean, there's no difference when it comes to gratitude. If, if it is a practice that we can actually work on, it's something that we can do even when we don't feel it, which means that even when we don't feel like thanking God for something, we actually can. If we choose to go, tell God thank you, even when it's not in our hearts or cherish what we have, even when we wish we had more, or to count our blessings, even though we wish there might be more to count, there's a return on our efforts and our hearts begin to change. We become thankful people who are content within our souls, who are joyful in our hearts, and who become generous and kind to others. So how do we practice this? There's some really simple, practical ways. I, I, would, I would encourage you to choose one today. Just do one of these today. Write someone a letter, a text, an email, and just tell them how thankful you are for them. It's simple. Um, pay forward the blessings that God has given to you to bless someone else. Take time to pray and tell God, thank you for your presence in my life. Tell your wife that you are thankful for her. Tell your husband that you are thankful for them. Tell your kids you are thankful for them. Tell a teacher, thank you. A pastor, thank you. A waitress, thank you. An officer, thank you. Make a conscious effort to be someone who is thankful and make it be known. Because there's two questions, I think, in the end that we have to answer. Number one, what do we have to lose by being grateful people? What do we have to lose by being grateful? I would argue nothing. There is nothing to lose by being someone who is thankful about your life, except for the fake opportunity to want to complain and argue and be upset. I'll take that trade any day. I don't want to do that stuff anyway. I'd rather be grateful. There's nothing to lose in doing that. But secondly, what do we have to gain by grumbling and complaining? I would argue nothing. We have nothing to gain from grumbling and complaining. In fact, I would argue it is grumbling and complaining that has gotten many of us into the bad and terrible situations that we find ourselves in. Because when we start to grumble and complain about our spouse, that's when we begin to disengage from one another. We begin to walk out on that relationship. When we grumble and complain, that's when we become less grateful for what we have and we squander our wealth on foolish things. When we're not thankful, we focus on our complaints. Our mental health is the thing that pays the price for that. There are so many things that if we're not thankful and we choose grumbling and complaining, we lose a lot. So let's be thankful. And for the person here this morning who's like, listen, Trevor, I have nothing to be thankful for. I go through the Rolodex of my life, beginning to end. There's nothing in the past. There's nothing in the present, nothing in the future. I have nothing to be grateful for. I want to give you one thing that you can be grateful for today, if nothing else. It's given to us in the book of Psalms, Psalm 118, verse 29. Here's what the author says. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. If you're looking for something to be thankful for this morning, here it is. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. His grace is yours. His mercy is yours. You are loved by him. And if nothing else, that is something to be thankful for. So maybe nobody else loves us, but God does. That's something to be thankful for. Maybe life's not going the way that I want it to go right now, but I'm loved by the creator, the sustainer of all life. That is something to be thankful for. And it's not just a love right now, it's a love forever. Eternity past, eternity future, it will never end. There's nothing you could do right now to cause God to love you more and nothing you could do to make him love you less. He just does. And that is something to be thankful for.
So taking time to remember, it results in gratitude from our lives. Remembering the love of God. A few years ago, we took a group of students to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip. And for a couple of years, we had spent time in this little village called Boma um, on the outskirts of Harbaco, where we did a lot of our work. And Boma was a very, very small town. And while we were there on one of our trips, we had the opportunity to be there for the first ever baptism in the village ever. No one had ever been baptized before. And there were six people who had put their faith in Jesus in this very, very small church. And we were invited to come and witness this baptism down at the river. So of course we were honored. We got up the next day to go to this baptism and it was pouring down rain. So we got like ponchos and umbrellas. We walked down this kind of muddy slope all the way down to the river. And these six individuals are there with the pastor. And one by one, they dunk them under the water of the river and they bring them back up. And all of them are just beaming from ear to ear because it's a tangible example of God's grace and mercy toward them. And they knew it. And all my students just said, that was such a sacred, holy, amazing moment to see people who were so overflowing with gratitude and thanks for the love of God that is forever. And baptism is this entrance into the church, into the church of faith, the followers of Jesus Christ, but it's also a tangible example that God loves us and is for us and his grace is ours from the time that we are very, very young to the time that we are more seasoned. God is there for us. And so this morning, we have this awesome opportunity to practice gratitude by coming together to remember our baptism. Pastor Michael's gonna come in a second to give us some details on how we're gonna do this. I'm very excited about this. It's the first time we've ever done this before, but it's a chance for those of us who are baptized in the room to remember the fact that God has been gracious to us, loving to us. He's welcomed us into his family. So for any children in the room this morning who are baptized as an infant, it's a chance for you to remember that God's been faithful to you from the very beginning. And your parents' decision to have you baptized was was taking uh, this tangible grace of God and making it visible within your life. For those of us who are baptized at a more seasoned age, 60, 70, whatever, it's a chance for us to remember the grace of God that is with us forever at any age and at all times. And so this is such an awesome opportunity this morning for us to come and practice this gratitude that it might overflow out of our lives, out of this building to make an impact in the world around us. So let's pray together. And then Pastor Michael is gonna come and give us some instruction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all things. You tell us in Romans that you work all things for the good of those who love you. Good things, the bad things, the difficult things, the wonderful things, God, would you work them into our life in such a way that we could turn and give you honor and glory and praise. We thank you for Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. We thank you for this baptism you've offered to us as a tangible sign of your love and grace. And thank you for your church. So Father, I pray for every person here this morning, God, I pray that our hearts would be awakened to all the good around us, to be thankful for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the future. We thank you in advance, God. So Father, thank you for all that you have done today, for your love that is ours. And together, everyone said,